This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me is Jules Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. Um, excited for the discussion of our uh, latest show, uh, the um, all-time leading scores in each NBA franchise history and what they say about your team. Yeah, and I think uh, another sort of underrated aspect of this, too, is that there are a few – sort of works not necessarily as a, as a season preview all in all, but, I mean, there are a few teams that we're going to talk about here that could possibly have new, you know, all-time scores once the season's all set and done. So uh, kind of interesting in that respect, too. But, yeah, it's, it's it was a fun little exercise to look at it because it's not something that – it's something you sort of take for granted and you kind of maybe assume some guys that you think are probably there. But uh, it was kind of interesting in doing the discovery here. It's not always the exact person that you maybe thought it was, and it's maybe not the guy that you think of as the franchise definer. Like a lot of times there will be a guy who sort of snuck in there and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that guy to be the all time leader. But uh, it's pretty funny. We're going to explore at least, uh, you know, what, what makes what it says about each team, like you said, for their, you know, their leading score being X. What does that mean for, for the team or whatever? So pretty fun little exercise. Yeah. And there will probably be more Sean Kilpatrick than you expected on this. Episode, so. <laughs> Far more Sean Kilpatrick than I expected. Yes. That is right. Uh, it's pretty good. A lot as much Randy Smith as you expected, though. So, yeah, about as worry. much Randy Smith. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll begin with um, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, in their their all time leading scorer is Dominique Wilkins with um, twenty three thousand two hundred ninety two points, averaging twenty six point four. And of the uh, thirty players who lead their franchises, he is sixth in points per game and tenth in uh, overall points. Uh, I would say he's not the best player in franchise history. That would be Bob Pettit, who's right behind him in um, all-time points. But I think he's safely second best in uh, franchise history. Do, would you would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely um, it's definitely safe to say. I mean, I, I could see somebody making an argument if you wanted for Dominique, but but I feel like Pettit's probably a little bit higher than him. But uh, yeah, at worst, second uh, is is basically the way you can kind of put it. Yeah, and Pettit was an MVP, led them to a championship right. in 58. So, yeah, Wilkins doesn't have any of that. And I think he's kind of emblematic of uh, what the, the track the franchise has been on, you know, since the 60s. They've had a lot of good teams in the 60s and the 80s and 90s and, and even in the 2010s. You know, 60-win team they had a couple years ago, and you know, a lot of them were really good and, you know, might have been at least finals contenders in certain seasons, but they, you know, fell short of excellent to the 80 Celtics and to the recent Cavs and, and the 90s Bulls and, you know, some really great teams along the way. So um, I, I think he's emblematic of that, of like Wilkins is like an amazing player, but he never really got past the second round of the playoffs despite having some really good teams. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too, some of the names that are on here as well. Like you have Joe Johnson at six, which, which that sort of makes sense given the Joe Johnson sort of track, but I uh, got to surprise me a little bit was number eight, Josh Smith. I did not expect to see Josh Smith at that point, uh, even though, you know, obviously he had a very marked career, but I mean, based off how it kind of ended um, and it just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like he was in Atlanta that long. But then when you remember that he came out of high school and, and, and you know, and, and, you know, it's been there, you know, 2005, to 2013 or whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is pretty uh, amazing there. So I know he was 2011, right? When he was done. 
with Atlanta or was it 2013 when he it was 20 it was 2013 yeah was it 2013? So, okay because you went to the Pistons of course with the yeah uh, right. <laughs> did not work out all that well but uh, we won't have to talk about that but no I was kind of surprised to see him up there even though because I mean he obviously struggled a few of his early years but uh, seemed to get it together uh, later but yeah for him to be as high as he was was uh, was a little surprising to me yeah, and uh, you've also on the list, uh, Lou Hudson was third, Cliff Hagen fourth, John Drew, who we talked about in one of our Overlooked uh, Players episodes, was uh, fifth, even ahead of Joe Johnson, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Kevin Willis, uh, Fast Eddie Johnson, and Zemo Beatty also being on there as well. And uh, the Hawks have actually two players, uh, Wilkins and Pettit, who are over uh, 20,000 points, and there are actually only 23 players who have 20,000 points for a franchise, and half of NBA franchises don't have one, so the Hawks obviously one of the older franchises, one of the original um, eight uh, NBA franchises that survived the merger years. So uh, obviously they have a longer amount of time to accumulate that history, but still, um, you know, pretty impressive. A lot of teams don't, uh, even as old as they are, don't quite have that. So um, the active leader, uh, so we're calling active leader uh, the a player who is actually still on the team. Yeah, cur- currently on that team, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Joe Johnson is technically the active leader, but unlikely he's going to go back to the Hawks. So uh, Dennis Schroeder, who is 45th on the list with 3,244 <laughs> points, uh, averaging 11.4 points per game. Um, and it, it's going to be a while before he has a chance to uh, make it, uh, certainly as the leader, if not in the top 10. Yeah, we're kind of doing a little bit of math here based off, and a lot of times for the rest of the teams that we're going to talk about, based off kind of their last year output or their last you know full healthy season or whatever. So it, it assumes that they're going to kind of continue doing what they do and for the purposes of the exercise that you know it's all we wanted to kind of see is just a big gap between these guys uh in terms of Schroeder a uh, little under four years for him uh to make up the gap to get to the top 10 so I think that's possible if he stays with Atlanta for a while uh as far as taking Wilkins top spot I do not think that's going to happen because it will take a little over 14 seasons so basically he would have to uh keep up his production from last uh, season for another 14 years to uh take over uh Dominique Wilkins top spot so uh I, I don't know if Dennis Schroeder is going to be uh the all-time leader in the Hawks but you know hey 14 seasons that's not unreasonable <laughs> well, uh, he's young enough, I guess. That would be the only thing. Right, that, yeah. Um, yes, uh, I don't think he's going to probably be as effective at 37 or 38 as he is <laughs> hey, now. Uh, now. But, I, uh, you know, um, there are there are longer shots than Dennis Schroeder, I would uh, have to say, <laughs> on our list. So, uh, so next, the uh, Boston Celtics with uh, John Havlicek, who um, – has a 26,395 points, uh, average 20.8. He is 15th in points per game among the top 30 leaders and 7th in total points. Um, I, I would say he's not the best player in franchise history, but I would say there's a decent argument he's among the uh, top three behind uh, Bird and uh, Bill Russell. Uh, we, we talked about that in our uh, Big Three episode earlier on um, here. I think him, he and Pierce, I think, were the favorites for being the uh, top three. And Pierce and Larry is, is right behind him in um, on the scoring list. Larry Bird right behind them with uh, Pierce's 24,000 points, uh, Bird with uh, 21,000, almost 22,000 points. Um and you know why I think what Havlicek says about the Celtics franchise, of course, uh, they and he have a, a lot of rings. And it's, I guess, interesting to note based on the Celtics history that he is the only uh, white American who is a franchise leading scorer among the 30 teams. So I don't know what that says, but uh, but it says something. Yeah, I'm pretty secure, too. I think it's going to be a while until uh, that's uh, he's unseated as well, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And it seems uh, perfect for the Boston Celtics that that, that he is the man atop their list. But uh, there you go. Yeah, there. yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, Russell was, uh, you know, great 
player, one of the best ever, not a great scorer. And Bird, uh, you know, was was a better player and a better scorer, but didn't play quite as long. So yeah, longevity definitely hurts Bird a little bit. I mean, obviously, he still had a very lengthy career, but yeah, you wonder if you know three or four more years he, he would have been uh, at least in, in the conversation or right up there with him. But yeah, just a little too much. And, and the same could really be said for Pierce. If Pierce doesn't get traded to Brooklyn, he probably does take that top spot. Uh, but yeah, you know, things are what they are. And, you know, we're going to talk about it a little bit. I think a lot of it is just, you know, longevity and and, and staying on the team. I mean, that, that's it. it's just that simple of just kind of doing your entire career with that one team will, will a lot of ways uh, vault you up these lists. Yes. And the Celtics uh, have 13 players above uh, 10,000 points, which is the most uh, which is the most of any uh, franchise. Uh, Parrish, Mikhail, Kuzi, Sam Jones, Dave Cowens, Jojo White, Bill Sharman, Ty Heinsohn, and Anton Walker all uh, making that uh, list. And three of them above uh, 20,000, as we mentioned. Uh, yes, and uh, the active leader, a little bit of a ways to go. Yeah, it's, it's Marcus Smart. He's 73rd right now. Uh, he's got uh, 1916 points. I don't think that's going to have no 1916. I don't think it's going to work for him. Uh, 9.3 points per game. It's going to take quite a while. Uh, basically, another there's 13 and a half seasons of his current production and he'll get into the top 10. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And I also do not think Marcus Smart is going to keep up his production that he had last year, uh, given that they've acquired a few other people that like to score the basketball. So uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Marcus Smart any, anytime soon is, is going to get either in the top 10 or, or number one. But uh, one thing I did find really interesting though, before we, we move on to the next team is, is how many of these players played together in the Celtics. You know what I mean? Like, this is a franchise that had, obviously, a lengthy history or whatever, but you have, you know, in terms of Kuzi, Jones, Russell, you know, Sharman, Heinsohn, all kind of the same era, same team or whatever. Uh, in the 80s, obviously, you have Bird, Parrish, McHale, uh, all right in there. You have a few of the 70s guys as well kind of lumped in with in terms of Cowens and, and, and Jojo White. And then really just the other two are Anton Walker and Paul Pierce. But basically, you know, three eras of, of, of Boston Celtics basketball, very successful Boston Celtics basketball, you know, save for, obviously, the Pierce-Walker era, you know, obviously didn't win the rings but other than that you're basically representative of those three eras i mean obviously it speaks to the fact that those eras did last quite a while but it also speaks to you know just how great those teams were at that point especially uh the 50s 60s teams which i mean they, they make up almost half this list uh, of guys from that team or whatever and it speaks as well to how they sort of played uh, their style of play as well where it was very conducive to a lot of scoring so it gets kind of these a lot of these guys up there yeah, and they were as we've talked about before. You know, they were really, um, you know, as the shot clock was instituted and the pace increased, they really took advantage of that with, you know, fast breaking and you know Russell's ability to turn defense into offense and, and all that good stuff. But and that's uh, very much um, you know shown in in where they rank historically with all their you know great team success and and yeah, it really fits the periods in which they had their most success with Pierce, kind of bridging you know both the. The you know, years with Anton Walker, where they were pretty good, they went, they had that Eastern Conference Finals in 02. and then of course the you know the the Garnett um, Allen years, where you know Garnett and Allen weren't weren't uh, around long enough and weren't prolific enough scorers at that point in their career to make this list. But you know, Pierce obviously bridging those those eras. Yep. Uh, and next, uh, a team not quite with the same amount of <laughs> illustrious success. <I> know. <laughs> um, Speak for the, yourself. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets um, and uh, Brooke Lopez uh, just barely at the end of the season with four more points than Buck Williams at 10,444. Do you remember where you were when this moment happened? Uh, I don't, but I was hoping you did. I was on Twitter when I heard about it, uh, which would have been soon after the moment uh, happened. Of course, Brooke Lopez was traded to the Lakers, so he will not be adding to this um, total now. Um, but he is uh, among the 30 players who lead their franchises, 23rd in points per game, 27th in points uh, total. Um, 
it's interesting to list where where you think Lopez is in franchise history. Um, you know, certainly not the you know best player that would probably be either Jason Kidd or Julius Irving, depending on you know if you value Kidd's longevity over Irving's. You know, only played three seasons with the um, Nets, but they won two championships in there, and he was you know undisputably the better peak player. So, um, but I, I would say top five. You know, you can throw you throw Buck Williams in there. You know, Carter or Jefferson as well. I think is our candidate as well. I don't know if there's anybody else really on that list who you're thinking you know would be among the top five in franchise history which it kind of i think says something about their franchise history unfortunately yeah i think it speaks more to i, I mean this is a team that's been around for 50 years and like the the names on this list are, are, are guys that you know either play just a kind of a cup of coffee with the team or or guys that just don't jump off the page i mean i think the, the harder issue is trying to figure out who that top nets player of all time was like like i, I think you could reasonably like you said make a make a case for irving make a case for kid but I mean, otherwise, this list, you got Brooke Lopez, Buck Williams, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson, and Jason Kidd. So those top five are all guys, you know, obviously, Kidd and, Jeff- and, Kidd and, um, and Jefferson played at the same time. Uh, Carter and Kidd played at the same time. He comes a little bit later. Uh, then you have, Bro- uh, you know, Brooke Lopez, who comes at the tail end of the Vince Carter era. So you basically just have that. That's 2002 to the present is basically represented there. And then you have Buck Williams in like the mid 80s. And then the rest of their history is pretty much just out of here. You got, you know, John Williamson in sixth, uh, Julius Irving, as you mentioned, seventh, Kerry Kittles comes up. Uh, eighth, Derek Coleman and Chris Morris. I think it speaks more to just that team, man. It's been around for 50 years and there's just no history. No, like there's not that guy. There's not even, you know, a few guys that you can say there, there's just a blob of guys that you're like, yeah, I guess uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> Irving in three years could, uh, justifiably could be the best player in Nets history, which is, is nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he's seventh all time in on their scoring list, despite only playing there for three years. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. that's pretty in, incredible. So, um, and, and yeah, I would I definitely say he here a kid. You know, you would argue that either of us are the most successful periods came with Kid and um, and, and Irving. So, yeah, and the only t- the only three teams with um, points leaders that are lower than the Nets, uh, which, which are the Grizzlies, the Hornets, and the Pelicans, have each existed twenty five or, fi- <laughs> or or fewer years. And as you mentioned, the Nets have existed for fifty. So, so, um, and uh, the active leader uh, at 87th, uh, Sean Kilpatrick, Sean with 12.37, uh, average 13.3 uh, points uh, per game. So, um, and it wouldn't even necessarily take that long for him to make it to the top 10. No, sadly, it would only take him about six years, <laughs> his current output, uh, to make it into the top 10. So, again, how is that even possible for a franchise that's been around since 1968? But, uh, yeah, I, I actually wasn't sure that Sean Kilpatrick was a real person until I looked it up. Because uh, you put him on the list, and I was like, ah, I don't. that's not a real person. That's not a real player. But apparently he is. So, uh, yes. Sean Kilpatrick, Brooklyn Nets, uh, six more years. So, get on the watch. Uh, the Sean Kilpatrick watch because yeah he uh, he keeps up that thirteen point three points per game for another six years he's top ten so yeah get on the bad way Chris while, Morris while yeah, watch, yeah out. watch out yeah exactly <laughs> SK's coming after you baby all right is that what the anyway, kids call him um, they call him SK what what's that is that what the kids call uh, Sean Kilpatrick A- SK, SK. Oh, okay that's what, A- SK okay. that's what the kids are calling him yeah cool. Those yeah, kids absolutely. and their nicknames, so, they're so they, they do. They, they do. They have nicknames. So if I knew his number, I would say SK and his number, but I, uh, right. I don't know his number. Let's so call I'm not gonna it look 12. It either, so. <laughs> Let's say he's yeah. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next, another team, uh, lower end of the illustrious scale would be the Charlotte Hornets. Um, may have also been known as the Charlotte Bobcats? I don't remember that, but that seems to be basketball no, reference list of that. I think, so. I, I, I think you got your... Uh, Sean Kilpatrick's number six, by the way, in case you're curious for those okay, for scoring go. at home. Uh, yeah, yeah, as far as your home. Bobcats thing, never heard of it. And I don't think, again, you're making up Sean Kilpatrick and you're making up this Bobcats thing. I don't know what you're doing here, but. 
Yeah, I mean, why would anyone ever name their team the Bobcats? Yeah, that right. would obviously like, be even if your name so was that, Bob. I still, it's like it, that, that's that's just pretentious to name it after yourself and like use a cat. You know, no, it, it, it's insane yeah. that nobody would nobody and would ever ever go through that no, no, and no, like make their that. colors like purple and blue. And no, it's it's ridiculous. They would never do that. Yes. Well, the uh, franchise is leading a uh, scorer, uh, Del Curry, uh, with uh, with nine thousand eight hundred thirty nine points. So, no one has made a ten thousand points in the uh, franchise's history. Averaged fourteen points a game. That he's thirtieth in uh, points per game and 29th in total points among the uh, thirty players. Um, yeah, they have not really. I mean, like like the Nets, but even maybe more magnified. They've not really had an all time great for any sustained period. Alonzo Mourning, I would say the. The, the best player whoever who you know played for them for any amount of time was is 11th in total with uh, 4569 points from 93 and 95 so obviously didn't didn't play that long um you know the other guys on this list uh you know Kemper Walker he's uh he's, he's second he's the active leader right now he's gonna probably be the number one player soon and you know, he's, he's a, a good player but nothing you know not, not particularly not gonna be you know any um you know nowhere near like top 100 or anything like that of all time uh you know Gerald Wallace who was um you know, pretty good. Larry Johnson and Glenn Rice, who were both you know very good players, but didn't play there real long. Uh, Muggsy Bogues, who's six on this list despite having an eight point eight points per game uh, average. Uh, Raymond Felton and David Wesley uh, rounding out the uh, field. So not uh, unfortunately, yeah the uh, the the Hornets have not uh, <laughs> not not had a lot of a. Uh, not had as much fun as you would have expected here. No, yeah, I was kind of really hoping for uh, Baron Davis to be higher on the list, but uh, he was not. But yeah, as far yeah. as well, so so Baron Davis gets screwed in the uh, the oh New he Orleans, does uh, right Charlotte thing. Oh, yes. Right. So, yes, yes, which I know people people tell us is not confusing, but it's a little confusing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get it. Like it, it's just the Charlotte history, so it's eighty nine to two thousand two, and there's like that three year gap, and then it's oh five to 17, right. That, okay, I, that I makes that makes all the sense in the world. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but like he's still like you know Baron Davis kind of like he's you know he's kind of half Hornets and half Pelicans even though he never played for the Pelican you know he played for the, right yeah you know, people the people say it's not Pelicans confusing unless Hornets. you're trying to do like research for something like this and it's like well where do I put what pocket do I put this guy in or what what you know right. whose history does this guy belong to like Baron Davis yeah. yeah like to me he's Hornets but I can't separate the fact that you know half his career is Charlotte Hornets and the other half of his Hornets career is New Orleans and that belongs to the Pelicans like that that does you know for the purposes of this like you would think Baron Davis Hornets yeah Baron Davis no <laughs> it's not because that they went to New Orleans and yeah, so it, it is confusing even though people don't say it. But um, as far as active leader Kemper Walker, as you said, he has a real chance uh, to uh, tie or, or, or beat Del Curry uh, this year to take over the top spot. Uh, he only needs seventeen hundred, uh, a little over seventeen hundred points uh, to, to, to tie Curry. Uh, he had eighteen hundred thirty last year, so I think there's a pretty good chance, assuming health, uh, pretty likely that he will pass Curry this year for the top spot. So make sure you're uh, you're looking out for that as well and watching every single Hornets game with. Uh, um, a renewed sense of purpose, knowing that Kemba Walker is soon to be the all-time franchise leader. Charlotte franchise, not New Orleans Hornets, but whatever. Okay, yeah, that's Kemba Walker for you. Uh, for what it's worth, if we counted uh, Baron Davis's, um, uh, if we counted just his, um, his Hornets, Hornets output, yeah, yeah, Charlotte and New Orleans, uh, he would have about uh, six thousand, uh, slightly under six thousand. Uh, okay, points so he'd be fifth. Percent. Then he'd he would, be fifth. Above Glenn Rice. Fifth. Yes. Yes. Slightly above Glenn Rice. So, um, so yes. So for, uh, for, for what it's worth. <laughs> I still love you, Baron. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, 
So yeah, yeah, Kemba Walker's um, he is probably going to be getting into he, he is going to be probably number one uh, this season, uh, assuming health. So uh, so yeah, I think he's a better uh, all time player than uh, Del Curry he was. You know, nice three point shooter and all that. But uh, yeah, when, when you're uh, when your leading scorer is Del Curry, that that says something about <laughs> it's not the great, success yeah. that you've had for your franchise. So uh, a little more successful, uh, the Chicago Bulls, uh, and uh, leading the way is uh, Michael Jordan with uh, twenty nine thousand two hundred seventy seven points. A uh, 31.5 average that is uh, second most in points per game and fourth most in uh, total points for a uh, franchise. I think it's pretty safe to say he's the best player in franchise history. Not going to have a whole lot of um, argument there. And uh, I was a little surprised. I, I, I guess they had more players with uh, 10,000 points than I actually expected. You know, the, um, of course, Pippins there, uh, some of the um, 70s. Bulls guys are there. Chet Walker just under uh, ten thousand. Dre Sloan, Bob Love is there, and Luol Dang uh, actually. Yeah, made, I did. Uh, I would not have expected Luol Dang to be a ten thousand point scorer for the Bulls, but here we are. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, we have um, Kirk Heinrich played uh, long enough to get uh, to get eighty five hundred points. Uh, Artis Gilmore with uh, over nine thousand, and then Reggie Theus with a uh, with uh, eight thousand, and uh, Derek Rose just over uh, eight thousand for yep. uh, tenth place. So, um, so yeah, it's sort of an interesting list. I, I mean, I, th- I think the the two times in which the Bulls were really you know relevant, obviously the Jordan years would be, be by far the most, but also the early seventies Bulls that we've talked about several times, and they're well represented here as well. And then I guess you know the. Uh, the other years of you know when Derrick Rose was briefly you know an ex- a franchise player and was winning MVPs and the you know the um, Bulls were you know theoretically a uh, you know, conference championship uh, you know threat if it hadn't have been for you know injuries to Derrick Rose. Yeah, and, and a few of those years, especially the like the early Heinrich and early uh, Dang years, was another you know sort of semi competitive team. I mean, a regular playoff team, if anything. So you know that was the beginning of sort of the rebuild or the you know the the rises from the muck of the Porsche Jordan Bulls. Um, and then yeah, it sort of parlayed themselves then into the Derrick Rose era, like you said. And then uh, Dang obviously got a little bit of benefit of both ends of those um, uh, both those eras. So uh, as far as franchise active leaders, well, since after this after this off season, uh, it's no more Jimmy Butler. It is a guy that I would have never, ever in a million years expected to be the active leader for any team's uh, uh, scoring, but it is Nikola Mirotic. At, he's 47th of in their all-time at 2,354. He's got 10.8 points per game right now. Um, he's only 26,923 away from topping Jordan, so uh, if we take his career-high single-season point total, which is rookie year, so yeah, it's depressing, but it was his rookie year, it will only take Mirotic. Only take him another 32 seasons to beat out Jordan. So not too bad. Uh, so, no, no. you know, set your watch, set your alarm, you know, 32 years. So you see what's going on with the Miritich, you know, check in. <laughs> I, I'm going to set my alarm for 32 years right now. Exactly. Do it. To, yes. Uh, check check on, yes. Did Miritich break Jordan's record yet? 32 and years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I think that, you know, with the Bulls this year, he could score more. Like, I feel like he's sure. going to have uh, just a higher role in the offense. So it, it could be like 29 years, maybe. <laughs> right. Maybe know? we could slim it down just, to you know, 28. I'm, I'm, 28 I'm tops. And he yeah. explodes yeah. for 30 points sure. a game or something. Uh, as far as that, it'll it'll still nearly take him 10 seasons to get into the top 10 as well. So uh, yeah. it's going to be quite a while for Miritich to uh, do that. But uh, yeah, I do not think that uh, Michael Jordan needs to worry too much about Nikola Miritich taking a spot. Probably not. No. 
Uh, next, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, number one is uh, LeBron James. Might have heard of him uh, with uh, 20,868 uh, points for the uh, Cavaliers and averaging uh, 27.2. He is fifth in points per game and 14th in, uh, in total points among the 30. Uh, safe to say, again, he is the best player in franchise history. Not a difficult uh, one there. Uh, and really, I think this list kind of says that you know, he's really the um, like they've never really been able to get another player, you know, a secondary player, obviously, like on the level of a Pippen with a Jordan. Obviously, Kyrie Irving has had a, a good career. He's uh, eighth on this list with um, 8,232 points. Obviously, not going to be adding more to his uh, Cavs total after that uh, trade. Uh, Zdrina Zagowskis is. Um, Number two with a 10,600, Brad Doherty, a 10,300, Austin Carr with a 10,200 uh, points, um, and Mark Price with a, with a 9,500. Bingo Smith, only 30 points behind him in number six. Also on the list are Hot Rod Williams, uh, Larry Nance, and Campy Russell. So a nice mix there, you know, mostly with the, um, other than LeBron, uh, mostly the uh, late 80s, early 90s guys and their other, you know, period of a strong success. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that other than Z, there are no players who played with LeBron in that first, um, you know, uh, in in that first go round. Uh, obviously, kind of speaks to what we were talking about before of not really being able to get a good co star for uh, LeBron. Right, and, and it's gonna be pretty interesting too if if LeBron were to leave uh, the Cavs, it, it's really <laughs> you got to go deep. Then, then I think uh, you know without looking at it, it's probably a guy like a Kevin Love, right? Like you know, it, it becomes their active leader. So uh, yeah, none of them are above five thousand right now uh, in terms of current. Cavs, so uh, hopefully LeBron stays because they're uh, they're they'd be in dire in our next year when we do this exact same podcast. I don't think we are, but if we were to and, and LeBron leaves, it'll be pretty dire there for the old uh, Cavaliers. Yeah, not exactly um, a strong list. Yeah, now I'm 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 curious about who. Oh, it's actually Tristan Thompson. Tristan, Tristan has, oh lord, <laughs> yeah, uh, four thousand three hundred seventy eight. Uh, he is twentieth overall. Uh, Kevin Love twenty fifth at uh, three thousand six hundred and uh, four. Um, uh, yeah, although Tristan is averaging 9.4 points per game and Love is averaging 17 points per game. So he might uh, catch up with him uh, reasonably soon on uh, on that. So in a year, it could be uh, could be Love, depending on how things uh, go there. But um, yeah, so it is uh, yeah, f- four players above a 10,000, um, one of them, of course, above a 20,000. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, so next, uh, kind of a similar boat in terms of uh, all-time, you know, franchise leaders uh, with one extremely dominant, the uh, Dallas Mavericks with uh, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, thirty thousand uh, points um, for his career, thirty thousand two hundred and sixty to be exact, and uh, twenty-one point seven average. That's thirteenth uh, in points per game and third in points out of the thirty. Uh, another guy who's clearly the best player in uh, franchise history. Not really any uh, debate about that, and. Um, there are uh, five players who had above uh, 10,000, uh, Rolando Blackman, uh, Mark Aguirre, uh, Derek Harper, and uh, Michael Finley. I feel like kind of being up, up that high sort of surprised me. I guess I didn't think of him as being in Dallas for that long. You know, he, he kind of fell off before you know, the Mavericks were, you know, really a, a championship, uh, cont- I mean, I guess they were kind of a championship contender in the early 2000s, but they actually made a finals. And of course, you know, it was way after that, that they actually won the championship. So I, I, he kind of gets forgotten about there, but he was, you know, every bit as important as Dirk, you know, really in those early 2000s. Yeah. And he or, absolutely, or, or, or very close. Yeah, yeah. No. And he absolutely, I mean, if you, if you take a score, I mean, obviously he started in 1997 and pretty much from the get go, he was their, you know, top scorer, uh, guy that kind of put the ball in his hands. And even through the first few years of Dirk, when Dirk was still kind of trying to find himself a 
little bit. Finley was the main guy. So, you know, he goes from 1997 to about, you know, 2000-ish as being their top guy and then sort of then takes a step back. But also the prolific offenses with, you know, Nash, Dirk, and and, and him, of course, uh, under Don Nelson, too, certainly helped. I mean, they accumulated a lot of points during that era as well. So it makes a lot of sense that he would uh, he would be up there. Yeah, for him to be as high is a little surprising, but uh, for him to be in the top 10, I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, not, for him to be top 10, not surprising, but 12,000 was a little more than I was yeah, expecting. Yeah. Josh Howard being in the top 10, now that I'm a little surprised, but I know he had, a, you know, obviously a couple good seasons, but yeah, he was in and out. I mean, he's only six years in there and he was already in the top 10, which I guess says a little bit about the uh, franchise's uh, health before uh, the Dirk Finley Nash era. Um, and and yeah, it wasn't that good because Josh Howard is yeah, already ninth yeah. Yeah, after, you know, six seasons. Yeah, a, a big list of 80s guys on this, as we mentioned, Blackman, uh, Aguirre, Harper, um, also Brad Davis, who, despite averaging 8.6 points per game, managed to accumulate uh, 7,600 points. And uh, Sam Perkins, the later half of the 80s, uh, and uh, Jay Vincent, 10th on this list with 6,464 points. So all uh, all these early to mid-80s uh, guys uh, involved, you know, they obviously had you know a period of some pretty good uh, – Years there, including an '88 um, Western Conference Finals appearance, taking the um, taking the Lakers seven games. So, um, so yeah. It, but it was, other than that, not so much. In, of course, until the Dirk years. So next we have um, the Denver Nuggets with um, Alex English, the leading scorer of the '80s, from uh, with a. Uh, for Denver, uh, 21,645 points, average of 25.9 points per game, uh, seventh among the 30 in points per game, and 12th in uh, points um, overall. Uh, definitely a candidate for best player in franchise history. I, I might go with uh, with Dan Issel, but you could definitely talk uh, me into that. Even may, maybe David Thompson, if you're just thinking of their absolute peak, because obviously Thompson, you know, with uh, the, the injuries and drug issues, did not have a you know particularly long effective career. But uh, when they were at their best, going to the ABA Finals, Thompson was you know their most important player. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting discussion there between uh, English, Issel, Thomas, and, and or Thompson, and then uh, you could probably put Carmelo in there too. I think he has a, sure. a, a reasonable yeah. case. But just, yeah, there's, there's a few guys you discussion. can make it there. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think English is, is is maybe the best one. Yeah, it's it's really hard. A lot of those guys are pretty close. I don't know that I can uh, definitively come out with the number one right now. But uh, yeah, English is definitely uh, definitely in the mix. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, he was the all-time leading scorer of the '80s. I mean, obviously, uh, the Nuggets are well known for you know being a running gun type team throughout most of the uh, '90s. So they, you know, piled on points, you know, maybe faster than a lot of uh, franchise leaders would. But um, I mean, he was a really you know t- twenty-five points per game throughout the uh, throughout the decade. That's a that's pretty prolific. That's that's up there in um, NBA history. And he's sort of uh, uh, maybe a little bit overlooked for you know how uh, prolific he. Um, he, he really was, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Nuggets also have uh, those guys are above uh, ten thousand points. Also, Ralph Simpson is there, and rounding out their uh, top uh, ten are Byron Beck, who was part of the the uh, ABA years, uh, Fat Lever, we've talked about in the triple doubles episode, um, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, who of course was you know quite a great uh, early nineties uh, scorer, uh, Nene and Kiki Vandaway, rounding out the uh, top list. So uh, the active leader though has a little ways to go. 
Yeah, it's kind of Farid. Uh, he's 24th right now uh, at 14,858 uh, 14, uh, uh, for him. 11.9 points per game for him. Uh, he's really hard to predict, though, as far as when he'll overtake. I mean, he had three or four years a few years ago where his scoring was a lot more prolific than it is now. So I don't know. Do we extrapolate those numbers or the 587 he had last season? I feel like last season was was real bad for him. So I don't know. Let's just hypothetically, we'll say if we say 900 per season, which is, is more than he's done recently, but maybe he figures it out again or right, you know gets back to where he was a few years ago, it doesn't matter because it's going to take him um, a little over two seasons to get in the top 10 if he uh, goes back to sort of what he was as a scorer. But as far as taking over Alex English, I mean, that seems pretty impossible to take 18 seasons at Fareed's, you know, career best uh, to top Alex English. And and it's pretty good chance his career best is is done. And he's sort of uh, in a regression period now. So, yeah, I, I don't think kind of Fareed, uh, I think maybe an outside chance that he gets to top 10, absolutely zero chance in the world that he gets uh, to number one. Yeah, and also he's behind um, Paul Millsap now, so that seems less likely that he's going exactly, to be, have yeah. a, a bigger role, you know, or maybe a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, uh, possible for top 10, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, Kiki Vandeweghe was a really great scorer, but only played for the uh, Nuggets for four seasons before moving on to uh, Portland, but averaged 23.3 uh, points uh, per game there. So, um Next, uh, the Detroit Pistons, um, who uh, the leader is uh, Isaiah Thomas, who uh, had um, 18,822 points, uh, averaging 19.2 uh, points per game, 21st on the list in points per game, 17th in points. Uh, you definitely, a lot of people would make the case that he is the best player in uh, franchise history. Uh, that's There's some debate uh, level there. I think he's definitely the best player on their best teams. But uh, as we talked about before, the, some of the numbers don't really love what he contributed, but a lot of the, um, you know, the more of the eye test approach or more of the, you know, who is really the leader of those teams uh, kind of favor him. And we've always kind of taken sort of an in-between position on that, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Pistons actually, of course, when being one of the older franchises, actually do have a lot of players with more than uh, 10,000 points. Uh, and the next in the list is Joe Dumars, Bob Lanier, Dave Bing, uh, Bill Lambeer, uh, Rip Hamilton, uh, Vinny Johnson, and Tayshaun Prince, uh, just barely over uh, 10,000 points in his career as a Piston, which uh, honestly very much surprised me. I know he played there for a long time. He he, he, he had like a, like an eight or nine year stint, and then he popped back in uh, 2015 uh, for with a brief uh, return to the team. But yeah, uh, that, that one kind of surprised me. Yeah. Uh, active leader is a little surprising as well, but I, I guess not. But I sort of, I guess, says a little bit about uh, uh, where the Pistons are right now. But the active leader at 31 is Andre Drummond at 5,120 points, uh, 13.3 points per game. Uh, as far as when he'll be in the top 10, about three or four more years for him at this current cor- uh, scoring pace. I'll uh, we'll get him in the top 10. As far as the top spot, though, I think it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, it's going to be about 10 and a half more seasons until he does that. And uh, yeah, it seems seems difficult to extrapolate, you know, current Andre Drummond uh, in the NBA in, you know, 10 and a half years. Uh, who knows? But yeah, it, it would take a little uh, kind of a, I'd say a little bit of a miracle for him to be the top or him wanting to stay in Detroit for as long as he is. And given how his career has gone to Detroit, I don't know that that's uh, going to happen either so we'll we'll see how Andre yeah. goes but uh, yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a while until he's either in the top 10 uh, and, and very long until he's the number one yeah I mean he's pretty young so I mean I, like if they decide if it works out he, they could keep him he, he could rise up those rankings and you'd have definitely be in the top 10 but uh yeah obviously that would be a long time and a lot of things would have to happen for him to uh, get there uh rounding out the top 10 uh I forgot to mention Grant Hill uh just under uh, 10,000 uh, points uh and then John Long um sort of a forgotten name was uh rounding up this list at uh at number 10 I he's he played sort of an interesting two era 
Ramirez in um, in the Pistons from 79 to 91. I, I think there was a gap there and he, he came back, but uh, it's interesting to, uh, he goes pretty far back in terms of, um, you know, a completely different era of Pistons basketball. And then uh, was, I don't know if he actually played on the championship team, but was there, you know, kind of for the end of that uh, bad boys run. So anyway, um, next is a very interesting franchise to uh, think about is, uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors and their leading uh, scorer in uh, franchise history is uh, Will Chamberlain with uh, 17,783 and 41.5 points per game. <laughs> um, he is uh, first in points per game, not surprisingly, 20th in uh, points. And he only played there for, uh, I believe, four and a half or five and a half seasons. So, um, you know, um, it, it was obviously playing in an era in which he could uh, you know, accumulate massive uh, points total and he was of course an awesome scorer scoring 50 points per game one season um and uh, he is just barely ahead of several players above uh, 16,000 points. Uh, Rick Barry, uh, Paul Arizon, and uh, Chris Mullen all kind of representing different eras of uh, Warriors uh, basketball including the uh, championship years with Barry and um, in 75 a um, mid-50s championship with Paul Arizon and uh, Mullen you know with a good run TMC and those you know, some interesting teams there um, then followed by uh uh, Nate Thurmond and uh, Steph Curry, who we'll get more to in a second, with just over thirteen thousand points. Uh, Jeff Mullins, uh, Purvis Short, and Neil Johnson, all over ten, all over ten thousand points, and just barely uh, Joe Bear, Joe barely uh, behind ten thousand <laughs> points uh, with nine hundred with nine thousand. He just cared. If he just cared four points uh, more, he would have been there. Ten thousand. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so they have, they have, of course, again, I know the team has been around a long time, but they have nine above uh, ten thousand for um, the franchise. Any, anything else? Uh, anything? Anyone on there uh, stand out to you? Uh, other than, of course, uh, no. I was, um, you know, not seeing Clay Thompson up there quite yet, but I feel like he, I, I you know, not looking at the numbers, I feel like he's probably pretty, uh, pretty close. Let me do look at the numbers right now just to see kind of where he's at. But uh, everybody else kind of seems about where I would think them uh, to be. Uh, Steph Curry, uh, we'll, we'll talk obviously about him here in a little bit, but yeah, him being as high on the list already is is pretty cool as well. I mean, obviously he's been there for seven seasons. He's had you know three or four you know super prolific scoring seasons, but yeah, for him to be uh, as high as he is and you know knocking on the door which we'll talk about uh, again in a sec, uh, not getting on the door of, of, of the tops and, and, and top in the franchise is pretty cool to see, especially when that franchise's head is, you know, Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, Clay's 11, so he's right. Yeah, he's right. He's, is, just gotta, uh, he's got to care like a 1,100 points more, and then he'll be uh, over Joe Barry Carroll. So there you go. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be too hard. I think he'll probably get that uh, this season, so he'll be uh, – so, so Joe Barry will be not that yeah. top 10, sadly. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Curry's not too far away from uh, from Wilt, in fact, uh, to be the leading scorer of the uh, franchise. Yeah, no, so Curry, uh, you know, if, if assuming he maintains last year's numbers with, you know, obviously with Durant by his side, he's never going to be the same sort of gigantic score that we saw for a few years there, but he's still going to be quite a good score. If we assume that, you know, obviously he keeps up the same production he had last year, Durant keeps up his production or whatever, uh, we're looking at a little over two seasons only tops Wilt. So not that long for Steph Curry. Uh, what will be interesting though to see is, you know, if something, if Durant were to get hurt or something like that, if Curry could return to that and maybe accelerate that a little bit, but one way or another, uh, a little over two seasons uh, of Curry staying in, in, in Golden State and he will become um, presumably the, the top scorer in, in franchise history. So pretty cool. So um, next is the uh, Houston Rockets, and uh, number one is Akeem Olajuwon with uh, 26,511 points, a 22.5 uh, points per game average, 12th in uh, among the 30 players in points per game, and 5th among um, point leaders. 
uh, I would say definitively yes. is the best player in a franchise history. There are uh, six players with above a 10,000 points for the franchise. Uh, Calvin Murphy is next with almost 18,000. Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, Elvin Hayes, uh, Moses Malone, and both around 11,000. And uh, James Harden almost at 11,000 as well, at number six total with the 27.4 points per game at, when he's been with the Rockets. Uh, rounding out the list, our Yao Ming, Robert Reed, Mike Newlin, and uh, Otis Thorpe. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the most interesting thing here, of course, is. Um, you know, Harden, despite you know relatively short career in uh, in Eastern Megas, he's played five years there now, but is uh, you know pretty high up on this list. Uh, probably going to be passing uh, Moses Malone and uh, Elvin Hayes uh, uh, pretty soon. Um, probably not going to get there. I don't know. I it, we I guess you can talk a little bit about whether he has a shot at uh, being yeah. It, one. It's well, I think one in one respect it does speak to Hakeem's uh, longevity that it's going to take uh, James Harden a little under seven years. Uh, his current production was about twenty three hundred plus points per year uh, to, to to top Hakeem. Uh, Harden's twenty eight, so I mean seven years at twenty eight. That's you know that's, that's tough to do. It's tough to kind of keep that level of production. And even if he drops off a little bit, you're, you're probably adding a few more years onto that. So really, we're looking at you know the chance of seven to ten years. It's going to take. Harden to, to top Hakeem, which again speaks to, to just how great Hakeem was. And uh, yeah, even Harden in this, you know, atmosphere of, of the current NBA and in, you know, obviously the Dantoni offense the past year or whatever that, that, you know, he's obviously jumped up a little bit and has the potential to jump up for the next few years. But yeah, still, it's going to take him, you know, you know, seven years at the current production. Probably you're looking at, you know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range uh, before he's even, you know, really contending for Hakeem. So uh, yeah, pretty interesting in that respect that, you know, he hasn't been around that long with the, with the Rockets, but I think it it says more, I think, about Hakeem's longevity and how you know dominant and how great he was. Uh, that that Harden is still you know close, but but pretty far away. Yeah, and you know, if, if it hadn't been for Hakeem, the the Rockets would be another franchise with a lot of players who had incredible short term success there, but didn't stay there. I mean, obviously Moses Malone won two MVPs while in Houston. Uh, Elvin Hayes was a really good player in his uh, first stint there, and then went back to sort of the end of um, his uh, career. You know, obviously um, Yao was a great player without a lot of longevity and and, and not. Um, and not even making this list, uh, he's 13th overall in franchise history. Was a Tracy McGrady with just under 7,000 points. So, um, uh, actually, it's slightly surprising that he was not there. Of course, we've you know, talked about his injury struggles um, uh, in in past episodes, but um, but yeah, just barely outside of there. So, you know, another team where yeah, they've had the great players, but mostly for short periods of time. Of course, with uh, you know, Keem being the exception, and looking like Harden, you're going to be a guy who's going to be there for a long time. Yeah, whether he'll be able to make it. Because I mean, obviously, I mean, he had one of the great scoring. He's had you know incredible scoring seasons for a while. He's going to slow down a little bit, probably with Chris Paul, you know, being there and sharing the ball a little bit more. And of course, as he get older, there's no question he's going to uh, slow down. But yeah, I mean, he could you know he could play there another eight years or so and be really good. And you know, could I mean, I, I, th- I think there's a good chance he'll be number two on this list. He's you know about uh, seven thousand or so behind uh, the number two guy. So you know, another you know four years or so, he's going to yeah, probably pass that. So next, uh, Reggie or the well, yes, Reggie Miller of the Indiana Pacers is the uh, the leading scorer in uh, Pacers history. Not surprisingly, with uh, twenty five thousand two hundred seventy nine points, uh, eighteen point two um, points per game, uh, almost uh, actually more than uh, or uh, very close to doubling up a Rick Smith at number two with a twelve thousand eight hundred seventy one. Um, a couple of things that surprised me here. Is it surprising to you that Reggie only averaged 18.2 points per game? And do we think that 
I would say with his longevity, Reggie Miller is clearly the is probably the best player in franchise history. But if you're talking about peak players, there's a lot of guys on this list, I think, who are arguably better peak players than Reggie. Yeah, you, you mentioned a few here, like a Roger Brown, uh, Dennis McGinnis, uh, Mel Daniels, uh, Paul George, probably better peak players. I think the thing with Reggie in, in one respect is the 18.2 points per game we look at. Uh, you know, points per 100 possessions, which, which you, you did a little bit of a rundown here. In terms of full career, if we look at some other scores, uh, Reggie Miller is at 27.5 uh, points per 100 possessions, so obviously a lot more than his 18.2 uh, points per game. Uh, Havlicek, he goes to uh, 22.5. Alex English is 30.2. Dirk is 32.4. Isaiah Thomas is uh, 25.7. Uh, and the Dominique is 34.7. So we see some guys who go up a little bit. We see uh, John Havlicek who kind of comes down a little bit. And obviously Reggie Miller goes up a lot uh, when you add a little bit more possessions. And I thought this kind of interesting too, so I decided to kind of dive into it a little bit. Uh, the Pacers team pace during Miller's career is, is interesting. Here's they ranked uh, in the league. 16, 15, 16, 7, 5, 18, 22, 25, 27, 21, 27, 26, 15, 25, 7, 10, 26, Six and twenty nine. So, really, uh, save for a few years where, where they had a little bit okay. I mean, they had one year, you know, two years where they were seven, and one year where they were fifth. The rest of the time, they're they're in the bottom half of the league, almost to the bottom, you know, third of the league in, in terms of. Um, uh, pace so he just kind of seemed like he always played on a team and I, I, again like I don't know if it's a chicken and egg is because they had Reggie Miller they played at a slower pace or they played at a slower pace and Reggie Miller kind of had to adapt to that style I, it's hard to say you know obviously he had been there for so long but yeah I don't know it, it's an interesting debate I, I thought he would have had more than that and he seemed like a much bigger score and he probably was for the air a little bit bigger of a score if we see you know in terms of the points we're under possessions but overall it doesn't jump off the page nearly as much as it maybe should or as much as as we think we kind of think of Reggie Miller being synonymous with the Isaiah or the Indiana Pacers and 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 being a great score for the Indiana Pacers and I don't know it doesn't really bear out all that much I mean he was their best score in the 90s obviously and it was a, a semi-successful team but yeah his numbers don't don't really jump out as much as you would sort of assume they would yeah I mean there are the, obviously there are other ways to, to measure scoring other than points per game but it was it was you know pretty low you know considering um, it wasn't like he was providing like great defense or you know other things. I mean, obviously, the, the, he's known for the stepping up in the big playoff moments and that sort of stuff, and that's certainly very meaningful. But yeah, as far as like being one of the better scorers in NBA history, which I think a lot of people would agree that he is, at least for a guard, he's certainly not like prolific in the same way that a lot of these guys are. Even if you adjust for you know for pace with the points per one hundred possessions, it's you know, he's. I mean, yeah, he's you know, higher than like Avlicek, who played in really fast pace for most of his career, but he's lower than you know than you know, like Dominique or Dirk, you know who. I would think, you know, our guys who are, you know, primarily their value came from yeah. um, from scoring. So just interesting. Um, as far as the guys on the list, uh, Billy Knight, um, actually third all time, which is, I thought was interesting, uh, was ahead of some of the uh, the, the better players in French's history. Uh, Roger Brown was fourth, Jermaine O'Neal fifth, Danny Granger, uh, George McGinnis was uh, seventh, just just popped into the uh, Hall of Fame, of course, uh, you know, part of those uh, uh part of the ABA years, uh, Vern Fleming, who I uh, was not someone I was expecting to be on this list from 85 to 95 with the Pacers, uh, Mel Daniels, one MVP in the ABA and Freddie Lewis, another, uh, ABA vet. So the, so that era is represented uh, pretty well here. Uh, Paul George actually, uh, not in the, um, uh, top 10. I forget exactly where he ranked. He was somewhere around like 12, 13 or so, but, um, you know, a little bit surprising, but I guess obviously he didn't really, uh, play there all that long and he wasn't necessarily the, um, you know, he first couple of years in his career, he wasn't yeah. scoring as much as obviously. Danny Granger was the guy, guy for a few years there, and then obviously he took over um, 
shortly thereafter. But yeah, it was, it was, it took him a little while. Uh, as far as active leaders, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry if I was anybody. Uh, Lance Stevenson is, he's at, uh, 1,953, uh, 58th. And then Miles Turner, who, uh, he's at 1,792. Uh, I'm just going to ignore Lance Stevenson because I don't think, I don't think it wasn't worth doing the math to figure out Lance Stevenson. That's going to be a while. I don't think that's happening. Uh, Turner, though, he would need a little over six seasons at his current scoring pace, uh, to reach the top 10. You can kind of assume that he's probably going to score a little bit more now with Paul George gone. So I don't know. Maybe you can make that, you know, just about six seasons, maybe five or six or so uh, to get in the top 10. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's going to take him, though, uh, about 20 years uh, to reach Miller's spot. So again, yeah, even if his scoring really gets better, you're looking at, you know, what, 18 to 20 years still. So I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to be the all time. But the fact that it's only going to take, you know, hypothetically, you know, five, six years for him to get in the top 10, you know, speaks a little bit to the franchise uh, and their history as well. Yeah, it's going to take some overdrive for Miles Turner to be able to make it into uh, to, to, to make it to that illustrious company. But yeah, even popping in the top ten would be pretty good. Um, so next, obviously, you, you know, you want to shoot for Vern Fleming. Yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you know, break all the records for Vern Fleming <laughs> has. So yeah. Uh, so next, the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, also Buffalo Braves franchise. Uh, next is uh, Randy Smith. Uh, might surprise a lot of people to uh, be in there. Uh, he uh, averaged um, 17 eight points per game and uh, and had 12,735 uh, points for total his career. But which of course is you know relatively low considering the length of time the Clippers have been around. But you know with the Clippers historically bad repetition, not exactly that huge of a surprise. Uh, he is 27th in points per game, 24th in total points um, overall. Um, and he played for the Braves from 72 to 78, then played when they moved to San Diego, became the Clippers in 79, and then popped up again in 1983. Uh, he is famous for playing in 906 straight games, and uh, I, I had missed that in our uh, previous episode looking at two-sport athletes, but he actually, uh, at, 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 in 1975, age 26, he... Uh, he tried out for the expansion Tampa Bay Rowdies of the North American uh, Soccer League, uh, indoor soccer, which you kind of briefly had a, um, you know, sort of a, it was a fad, I guess, in the late 70s and it had some success. And uh, unfortunately for him, the uh, the Braves would not allow him to play uh, professional soccer at the time during the uh, offseason. Uh, he did tr- had another tr- couple of tryouts, but it just uh, didn't really uh, happen uh, for him, uh, even though he had been a two-time uh, college soccer All-American. So, uh, it would have been an interesting um, venture into a two-sport athlete, but it was uh, – Yeah, no, I, I found that exact same thing today when I was looking up Randy Smith. I was like, ah, what did Randy Smith's career do? And then, yeah, I found that fact. And I was like, oh, man, a week too late for this Randy Smith fun fact. But, uh, yeah, definitely good there. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as yeah. you know, active leaders. I mean, obviously Blake Griffin is going to be your guy that you're looking at uh, right here. Uh, in terms of how long it's going to take him, you know, assuming health for Griffin, which is a large assumption given you know Blake Griffin's career. But uh, when he last played 80 games in a season, he had a 1,900 point score in the season. So let's take that number um, and, and use that. Just you know, we're really ambitious here. We really we really want the Clippers to do it. Uh, take him a little under a year and a half to take over Randy Smith's mark. Uh, he's probably not going to play 80 games and always be healthy. So you know, assuming that he has a little bit of a drop off, it's going to be quite a few years. But I think, you know, provided he sticks around in L.A., which I, I guess right now seems a little bit better than it maybe did a few years ago. Um, if he does stick around, he I, I think will in time take over Randy Smith. But it might take uh, a little bit longer, depending on on his health and, and you know, what he can do in, in terms of just staying on the court more than anything. Because production is going to kind of always be there, or at least it has always been there for Blake Griffin. But it's just a matter of health for for him, really. 
Yeah, definitely. And he's, um, you know, he, he's a better all-time player. You know, Randy Smith was a good player, but he's definitely a better uh, all-time player. And he, and uh, I, th- I think um, on his way to being the probably the best Clipper in history, you know, he got that extension, so he's probably going to be there for right. quite a while. So, you know, probably I would say that's Chris Paul right now, but probably going to you know pass him at some point in terms of longevity and having he already has been there longer than Paul since he got an earlier start. But uh, the other guys on this list are uh, Bob McAdoo with. Um, with 9,434 points. Uh, Elton Brand right behind him. Uh, Corey Maggette, uh then Chris Paul is sixth. Uh, Danny Manning, seventh. Uh, Loy Vaught is, uh, is is eighth. Ken Norman is a nine. And DeAndre Jordan is uh, tenth on this list. But only 9.1 points per game. I kind of thought he actually scored a little bit more uh, points per game than uh, that, but his are lower than I, uh, than I would have expected. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a little interesting there in terms of that franchise. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not a, it's not the greatest list of names, but uh, it, it's the Clippers. <laughs> that's for sure. Loy Vaughts is in there. So it's gotten, yes, better it has, it's gotten much, much better. It's yes. Danny Manning and Loy yes. Vaughts. <laughs> yes. So uh, a better team history, the Los Angeles yes. Lakers um, led by uh, Kobe Bryant with, um, 33,643 points, uh, averaging 25 points uh, per game. He is ninth uh, on this list in points per game, second in uh, total points. Um, best player in franchise history? Uh, I think you and I would argue no. Some would disagree. I think it's a discussion. Are you saying um, some people would disagree? <laughs> Are you, wait, hold on a minute. Are you saying that, that people that think Kobe Bryant is, is the all-time would, would be – would would disagree or, or 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 be apt to argue in favor of Kobe Bryant about anything? Kobe Bean um, Bryant? I, I've uh, heard people do this. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Does he have defenders in, in in terms of you know fans? I I don't know. I've never I've never sensed that. So okay. Well, if you say so. Hey, they retired. <laughs> They're retiring his numbers, so <laughs> right. you know he's reti- retiring both numbers, eight and twenty-four. Yeah. So. It's so great they have to retire both numbers. <laughs> you I did make a great joke on Twitter. Um, what what number are the Miami Heat going to retire to? Which is my favorite joke ever. Is the, yeah. the Miami <laughs> Heat retire too many yes. numbers? Side swipe is one of my favorite basketball jokes uh, ever. So, yes. Um, so I, yeah, there are uh, twelve uh, players uh, for the franchise who are above ten thousand points. Uh, Jerry West is second. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar right behind him with a, a oh just over twenty four thousand points. Elgin Baylor right behind him with uh, twenty three thousand points. And uh, I, I think I mentioned on Twitter the other day, but I, I love that Kareem. If you just include his Lakers career, has more points than Elgin Baylor and just under the amount of points that Jerry West had, which is, is kind of amazing. I mean, he did play for, you know, like 14 years in for the Lakers, but still, um, if you could add that to, of course, his total career numbers, it's pretty amazing. But, um, and also Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Shaquille O'Neal with almost 14,000 points, Gail Goodrich, Byron Scott, uh, Jamal Wilkes, uh, George Mikan, and uh, Vern Mickelson of the uh, 50s uh, Lakers uh, were uh, were on there as well at over uh, 10,000 points. So uh, active leader has a little ways to go. Though. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson is the active leader. He's got 3,133, so uh, not too bad at 14.2 points per game. Obviously, I think that's going to go down as the Lakers you know, get better. But uh, yeah, it's uh, he's about 30,510 points away from Kobe. Uh, assuming he keeps up his production from last season, which is, is a pretty large assumption, uh, it'll be a little over 25 seasons until he catches Kobe. But uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, hmm, I don't think. No, I don't think. I mean, not quite. So <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah. Also, the Lakers have uh, four players above uh, 20,000 points, which is the most of any uh, f- 
Frederick, I think there were 23 players overall who have more than 20,000 points with a, a team. So they have, uh, they have about a fourth or I guess a, a sixth of those. So uh, yeah, pretty absolutely. impressive, obviously. Um, Next is the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, uh, led by Mike Conley with uh, just over uh, 10,000 uh, points in his career at uh, 14 points per game, which is 29th in points per game and 28th in points for um, uh, for this list. Um, he is he the best player in Frenchers history? It's debatable. I mean, Marcus Gasol and, and Pau Gasol are both probably on the list. I think Zach Randolph might get thrown there as well. I think those are the kind of the four guys. I think he's very close. To, I, I, I'd put one of the Gasols maybe slightly above him, but um, you know, I, I think he has a case for uh, for that. I think he sort of. Uh, what this era of Grizzlies basketball is meant, solid, consistent, reliable, uh, grindy, gritty. You know, I, I think he uh, exemplifies that. So I, I think he's a, a a good stalwart for that, uh, for, for being on the list. Um, and Marcus All is right behind him with uh, 9,592 points. Uh, possible that Mark could uh, pass him. He's a slightly higher points per game average. So uh, maybe with uh, just a, if they continue both those averages, maybe he'll just, he'll just uh, slightly pass him after a couple more years. You never know. Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty seen there for their, their franchise but yeah it's pretty much a collection of just current guys but they're, they're a younger franchise so uh we'll, we'll see how it kind of goes uh over time but yeah i thought uh only uh, somewhat interesting though is that only one guy that i would consider you, you know really a vancouver Grizzly, or really uh, i mean any uh, vancouver grizzly sharif abdul rahim is the only one the rest of the guys are all uh memphis based which which makes sense because they had you know obviously success with uh memphis and uh, been in memphis now a lot more than they were in in vancouver but yeah still pretty interesting there yeah, I guess I think they move in, in 01, so that's, um, yeah, I guess 15 years versus five years, so, uh, or 16 years, so, uh, interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but, um, yeah, so, um, uh, next, we have the Miami Heat. Uh, Dwayne Wade with uh, 20,221 points, uh, 23.7 points per game. He's 10th in points per game, 15th in points among the 30 players. Um, I would argue that if you consider just obviously the longevity of Ben here and the, and the success he's had, I, I would say he's the best player in Frontiers history. You would, I would say LeBron was better at peak, but I would, I would weigh Wade's contributions during that uh, LeBron period and outside of it as being slightly better than you know LeBron's just in that you know narrow period, but you know we could we could argue about that, but you know who wants to argue about that? Ah, uh, yeah, no, not 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 me, <laughs> and I don't think you do either. So yes. No, not not particularly. So um, also on the uh, list, uh, Alonzo Mourning with a 9,459. Uh, Glenn Rice uh, right behind him above 9,000. LeBron's actually fourth, almost 8,000 points. Uh, Chris Bosh with um, almost 7,000 points. Uh, Ronnie Cycli, uh Udonis Haslam, who is the uh, has the lowest points per game of any franchise top 10 with 7.8 points per game with uh, 64,000 points. The next is Tim Hardaway, Eddie Jones, and uh, Grant Long. So not really, a, you know, the... Um, Outside of the big three, you know, not the most industri- uh, illustrious list there. I mean, Glenn Glenn Fry was Glenn Rice, not Glenn Fry. Glenn Rice was was very good for a while, and obviously, Lonzo Morning, you know, was was great up until the uh, the kidney ailments. But, um, but yes, uh, the the big three definitely dominating the uh, the list. Yeah, as far as uh, active leaders, uh, Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside are the two we're looking at here. Uh, Goran Dragic is at uh, two thousand nine hundred thirty-three. Whiteside is at two thousand nine hundred thirteen. Uh, assuming Dragic maintains last year's uh, fourteen hundred point total, um, he's looking at about twelve more seasons than Whiteside. Uh, it's going to be a while for Whiteside too. So I uh, didn't even bother looking at those guys. But yeah, I think uh, I think Wade's safe for for quite a while. Yes, I would say so as well. So. 
Uh, next, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, led by uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with uh, 14,211 points, uh, 30.4 points per game. He's third in points per game, 23rd in total points. Um, and over his uh, six seasons in Milwaukee, I would say he is the best player in franchise history. Led them to their only uh, championship and won several MVPs with Milwaukee. I think that's a, a, a fair um, assessment, even though they've had some great success, including in the 80s. That was not necessarily fueled by a single superstar like it was for uh, during that time. They do have uh, six players above 10,000 for the franchise. Uh, Glenn Robinson, Sidney Moncrief, Michael Red fourth. He was a little higher than I expected, honestly, with 11,000 points. Pop Dandridge right behind him, Marcus Johnson above 10,000, and then uh, Junior Bridgman, Brian Winters, uh, Ray Allen, Terry Cummings rounding out the uh, list uh, at uh, above 9,000 points. So uh, obviously a, a very good list there. Ray Allen probably been, you know, it was really good for the Bucks. Right, would have been higher if he'd, uh, well, he definitely would have been higher if he'd stuck around uh, there. You know, another, uh, you know, probably. Uh, probable Hall of Famer on uh, this list. Yeah, other than that, I mean, it, actually, other than Kareem, there is no Hall of Famer on this list, although there's guys who I think, uh, we talked about Sidney Moncrief before, should be Hall of Famer. Bob Dandridge should probably be Hall of Famer. Marcus Johnson should probably be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think Ray Allen will be. Uh, so uh, it's kind of interesting that three really underrated guys on this list, and they all have been played from Milwaukee. Yeah, and as far as an active leader, we, we got a little we got a little conversation here uh, in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is your active leader. He's 21st right now, uh, 4,700. 137. Uh, how f- soon he can become the top 10 or even the leader? It's, it's pretty interesting here. He's, uh, he's currently only 9,474 away from, from Kareem, so he's not too far. I mean, that's, that's a lot, but that's not insane. Uh, last year at 1,800 at age 22. So uh, if he keeps that up and obviously if he stays with the franchise, I mean, age-wise and, and production-wise, I feel like he can stick with it. It's just a matter of sticking with the franchise. Uh, he can be the top in a little over five years. Uh, he can be the top. But as far as uh, top 10, a little over two and a half seasons and he'll be in there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that progresses. And, of course, if he sticks with the team, um, what that can say. And, and really, he could become you know one of the franchise best if he sticks around for a while. But, uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be the big question there if he, uh, if he hangs around. Yeah, there's definitely a realistic, realistic time frame for him to do that, obviously. I mean, you know, doesn't seem like there's any reason why he wouldn't stick with the franchise. But, of course, you never know what's going to happen with, uh, with things. But, um Next, the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Kevin Garnett, not surprisingly, way ahead of anybody else. Uh, 19,201 points with the uh, Timberwolves and 19.8 points per game. He's 18th in points per game, 16th in total points. Uh, very definitely the best player in franchise history. Um, he's the only player with more than 10,000 points for the uh, franchise. Uh, of any other players who have 5,000 points, there's only four others. Uh, Sam Mitchell, Kevin Love, uh, Wally Zerbiak, and Doug West. Um are up there so uh, obviously they've not been around as long as several franchises but the fact there's only five guys on this list is uh is telling um however andrew wiggins very close to uh being so good across five thousand points uh only five points away from that and uh carl anthony towns further down on the list but certainly another guy who's uh 15th right now and likely to sneak into the uh top 10 uh, yeah so um as far as wiggins he was at a 1900 uh point scored pace last year he would need about seven and a half more seasons of that uh and then carl anthony towns uh, the 2000 point pace where he was last season would uh, need a little under eight seasons. So it'll be interesting to see uh, those guys, if they stick around with the franchise and, and, and keep up their current production. Uh, they both have, I, I think, semi reasonable chances given, you know, their ages and, and where they are in their careers. Again, similar to Giannis, it's just going to be a matter of sticking with the franchise uh, for a length of time is going to be the most important factor here. 
Yeah, and health, health too, of course. Yeah, yeah, as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But um, but you know, I think yeah, and uh, you know, um, Towns and uh, I think is talented enough, and Wiggins probably talent. You can he obviously can score if nothing else. So um, certainly a, a possibility there. Um, another franchise we already talked about their tricky history. The um, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, since two thousand and three, we are. Uh, evaluating them and their leading score is david west uh 28th in uh, points per game 30th in point total the the uh, total points is um 8690 and 16.4 uh, points per game uh definitely not the uh, best player in purchase history although he, he's probably top three or four uh chris paul and anthony davis who are right behind him in the uh, the, the scoring total would be um there uh, interesting that uh of course west and paul were both hornets and not pelicans so actually anthony davis is the only <laughs> uh, true pelican on uh on this list and um is the active leader and it's probably pretty close to actually becoming uh, number one yeah on he, uh, he's only about a 1193 away uh he had 2000 and then last season uh, and he's had 13,000 or more or 1300 more uh, each of the last four seasons so he almost surely as long as he's not traded or, or, or something goes awry uh, he'll become the number one this season so uh, provided yeah provided health and he sticks with the team uh, he will take the top spot as the New Orleans franchise uh, leader yeah yeah, well, it, it would be very surprising if he. I mean, eventually, maybe could leave the team, but it'd be surprising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you so know. he's another guy to keep an eye yeah. on for the rest of the year. So the Hornets and the uh, the Pelicans are going to have possibly new leaders soon. Ah, yeah, yes, yes. And there you go. It just confuses <laughs> even more. Uh, next is the uh, New York Knicks, um, and the leader is uh, Patrick Ewing with a uh, twenty three thousand six hundred sixty five points, uh, pretty far ahead of uh, of Walt Frazier with uh, almost fifteen thousand points. Uh, a long time, so he's kind of blew the way of the competition, but has a great longevity. Obviously, twenty two eight twenty two point eight points per game, which is eleventh among the thirty players, ninth in uh, total points. Uh, I would say probably is the best player in uh, franchise history because of that longevity. Although you know Frazier and Reed both have um, who are two and three on the list, both you know have, have a case we could discuss. They actually have seven players with uh, above uh, ten thousand for the franchise. Uh, Allen Houston was fourth, which which kind of surprised me at um, eleven thousand. Uh, Carl Braun next, um, who played from the uh, late forties to the early sixties. I think he was not on the team that entire time, but most of that time. Uh, Richie Guerin and uh, was sixth, uh, who was great score in his day. Carmelo Anthony is a seventh and who has crossed 10,000. And then rounding out is Earl Monroe, uh, Dick Barnett, and Bill Bradley, who are all over uh, 9,000 points. And, um, and yeah, um, other than Carmelo, you know, who it's, of course, kind of a question about how long he is going to be with the uh, franchise. If he um, sticks with the team, at least for this year, he definitely has the opportunity to move up uh, in those uh, ranks. And then uh, further down from that, it's going to be a while. Uh, yeah. So Przingis, he, he's the active leader right now. He's a 70, uh, 72nd, uh, 2,224 points. Uh, he's quite a ways away. It's uh, if, if we use his pace from last season, it's going to take about 18 seasons for Przingis us to do it so unless he becomes a, a way better scorer than we imagined or you know suddenly turns it on and becomes just that much better of a scorer or he's just a guy there that's on in that franchise for you know the next 20 years or whatever uh it's going to be a while for him and uh, i i don't expect uh Porzingis to be uh with the Knicks for another 20 years so we'll uh we'll see but it looks like for now patrick ewing is safe 
so, I mean, he averaged um, 18 points per game last year. So I, you know, I could see him getting into like the low to mid 20s, you know, as he really becomes. Yeah. And as, the guy as, you there. know, so when Carmelo, it, you know, departs, you know, inevitably when he departs, yeah, he'll bump up a little bit there. So, I mean, yeah, you probably maybe can can shave a few years off that, but uh, or maybe a year or so off that. But, yeah, we're still looking at, you know, 16, 17, 18 seasons for him. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at 15. You're looking at incredible longevity, you know, being with one franchise for his entire career. <laughs> especially the Knicks. Rare, yeah, especially, especially for the Knicks. So, especially yes. the Knicks. So, given, given yeah. you know, the Knicks, it's, uh, it seems unlikely that, that he's going to stick around. But well. The fact that Ewing was able to do it, you know, <laughs> is, um, Batman, is yeah. remarkable. So, uh, and didn't even, in obviously left late in his career, but he was there for <laughs> that long. So, yeah. Um, Next is the uh, the Sonic Thunder uh, franchise. Of course, weird to have their histories mixed, but it is. It is People get very it upset is, when you do so, this, but uh, um, it's true. It's the way they do it. Well, so I'm sorry. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it isn't quite. Yeah. Obviously, the Thunder don't r- really honor the Sonic's history or recognize in particular, understandably, given the situation, I guess. But um, anyway, uh, so leading the way, Gary Payton with um, 18,207 points, 18.2 points per game. Uh, he is a 25th in points per game, actually tied with Reggie Miller on of the 30 on the list and 18th in total points. Um, interesting discussion on best player in franchise history um, because, of course, we we have Kevin Durant and what Russell Westbrook uh, right behind them in, in scoring total. Uh, Durant left just before he was able to uh, uh, break that. He's about 700 behind Peyton for that. Obviously not going to do that. Uh, and Westbrook is a couple thousand behind uh, Durant. So um, and seemingly very likely to um, just uh, you know break that. We'll, we'll get to that in, in a little bit. But um I would say Durant is the better, the best peak player of them. Um, Westbrook obviously will be with the Thunder at least for you know another season. He's going to be free agent and, and possibly for longer, so he could uh, break that as well. But Peyton has better longevity than the uh, two of them, so that's uh, interesting. A little discussion, yeah. Uh, I, in terms, of, I, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I think, man, <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think Westbrook is going to sort of take that over uh, pretty soon. But yeah, I, I guess would would you go Gary Payton right now? Um, hmm. I would actually probably go to Rant right now, okay. but I but I think Westbrook's probably going to pa- pass him with longevity. Now, if, if Westbrook only plays one more season, then. Uh, that's and then leaves and goes somewhere else, and that that's a really interesting discussion because I would think the three are kind of all like right at a similar level um, in terms, you know, because I, I think Durant's the the best peak player. Although what Westbrook did last year was pretty amazing, and um, and, and Peyton is was more like a, a tier below, but did it for a longer period of time. And he, the way that he, he was the best defensive player of the threes, and that you, you know, I don't know, and and let them do. I mean. Durant Westbrook went to a finals too, so that's hard to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where exactly where I stand on that. <laughs> as, one. as far as um, you know, active leaders, of course, Westbrook. Uh, we mentioned, and, and he's gonna. It seems pretty possible that he's gonna do. We're a very pessimistic podcast, by the way. We're basically like every guy that's good on a team that's not great. We're like Davis is gone. This guy's gone. Giannis is leaving. This guy. We're just basically assuming everyone's leaving. But uh, we'll see here in a little bit. But Westbrook, if he stays, uh, it's gonna get awkward here for uh, the Sonics fans because he's only three thousand and fifty one away. Uh, he had twenty uh, twenty five hundred fifty eight last season. So. Uh, you know, that's going to go down, obviously, with Paul George this season. But even if we put that down to 2000, it's only going to take about a season and a half for him to pass Gary Payton. So if he stays with the franchise, even for another two years, I think it's pretty likely that, that he's going to become the number one. Mm-hmm. 
for what it's worth, the rest of the leading scores in the franchise history are all uh, Sonics, uh, Fred Brown with about 14,000, uh, Jack Sigma with 12,000, Richard Lewis just over 10,000, Sean Kemp also just over 10,000, uh, Gus Williams with uh, with 9,600, Dale Elvis and Xavier McDaniel to uh, rounding out that list. So a lot of, of course, the some 90s players, uh, Richard in the uh, 2000s. Um, I, I'm actually a little surprised Ray Allen didn't quite uh, make that uh, list, but I guess he did not play for the uh, Sonics for all that long so um but uh but there you go and of course some of the uh, the great players from the 79 championship yeah, of team uh and next uh is the orlando magic um and dwight howard leads the way with um 11,434 11,435 points, 18.4 points per game. He's 24th in points per game, 26th in total points among these 30 players. Um, uh, best player in franchise history? I th- This is an interesting question. Um, I would say probably not, even though he played longer than you know Shaq or McGrady, or I think the impact that they had, I would probably put Shaq at the uh, top of this uh, list. He is a fifth on the list of most points with... Uh, 8,000 despite you know only playing four seasons white played there for i think nine seasons so uh or eight seasons so um you know it's a debate but i would say probably not quite. yeah um yeah it's another interesting one as well because there's not really a guy that, that jumps out and it just seems so icky to say dwight howard you know it's uh yeah i, I man T-Mac just seems like he was there for a lot longer, too. You know what I mean? Like, especially this week and, and you know, kind of reliving his career. He seems like a guy that was there uh, forever, and he was really only there, you know, four seasons. So it's it's uh, it's, it's it's tricky there. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's only hard, but that just that feels icky. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. But, yeah, so uh, also crossing the 10,000 uh, threshold is Nick Anderson. I, w- I would say might be the worst <laughs> at 10,000 points uh, for any franchise player uh, uh, on this list. Now, he was a fine player, but but not, you know, uh, you know when he's the only other guy with 10,000 points. It says something about your franchise history, which, you know, basically the biggest stars have not lasted. Tracy McGrady is third. Jameer Nelson is fourth. You know, was there for a long time. Shaq, as we mentioned, is fifth. Hita Turgaloo is sixth. And um, Penny Hardaway, seventh, with uh, just over 7,000 points. Uh, Dennis Scott, Daryl Armstrong, and Nikola Vucevic uh, rounding out the uh, list. Yeah, and he's he's our active leader right now. And uh, sadly, he's nearly halfway there. He's only uh, 5,911 behind, assuming last season's output of 1,000 points uh he'll be there in a little under six seasons but uh yeah, he's regressing pretty fast as well so i, I don't know exactly what he's going to do but uh yeah this is a it's kind of a sad franchise <laughs> the magic so move on to better times with the, our next team angering our, uh, uh, they our, know our they fans. know come on like they don't know that their franchise is sad they, they're aware of it oh. <laughs> i like the magic i always wanted the I magic mean, to be good but it's just like you know it's you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah the last like the last, yeah. you know post Dwight um, years have been it's like all right we're ready and we suck again all right sorry <laughs> like we're rebuilding we're rebuilding yeah, and yeah. we suck sorry <laughs> no good no restart restart yeah yeah they're not quite at the king's no yeah exactly so there's so, one way yeah, yeah. so <laughs> that's yeah. that's what their yeah. slogan is this year we're not go. the kings yeah <laughs> Orlando Magic yeah at least we're not yeah, the kings Timberwolves actually probably yeah be exactly they can't use the Timberwolves anymore finally at least we're not the kings it's true yes so uh next we have the um 
the Philadelphia 76ers, of course, with the Syracuse Nationals as well. Uh, Hal Greer is your leader at uh, 21,586, uh, 19.2 points per game. That might surprise a lot of people, obviously, with uh, Iverson, uh, Dr. J, Will Chamberlain all on the uh, franchise. But Hal Greer is actually your leader, and we've talked about before. You know, Probably not the best player in franchise history. In fact, I, I would say certainly not, but a really excellent player. Had a lot of uh, all-NBA appearances during this time. You know, One of the best guards of uh of his air and of course you know an important part of that uh 76 uh 67 rather championship team uh rounding out all the list also uh, second was i uh, was iverson which is under under twenty thousand points uh dolph shays uh julius irving with just over eighteen thousand. charles Barkley is actually fifth on here and you always kind of think about his 76ers tenure as, as fairly short but he actually you know did did quite a lot in those eight seasons. Uh, Billy Cunningham, uh, Red Kerr, Maurice Cheeks, and then Andre Iguodala. We were kind of surprised that he was uh, ninth on the list, and then Chet Walker uh, rounding it out as well. Uh, yeah, and as far as our active leader, uh, number 57, Robert Covington at 2,665 at 13.1 points per game. Uh, he vaulted up the board a lot of in a lot of ways due to the process. He was kind of there for the entire thing, and you know he's one of the unearthed gems of the process. But uh, yeah, he's he's you know 18,000 back, a little over a little under 19,000 back uh, and you'd imagine his output is going to shrink considerably over the next few years as the team kind of gets better and there's an influx of talent and guys like a Ben Simmons come in and Marco Fultz and those sort of guys so uh, even if he maintains the output that he's been doing right now of 860 points uh, per season uh, it'll take 22 seasons so that's uh, it's gonna be a lot of processes for uh, uh, Robert Covington so yeah, I don't uh, don't think that's happening yes uh, so next is the uh, the Phoenix Suns with um uh, Walter Davis, maybe another surprise to some people, uh, with a 15,666 points and a 20.5 points per game average. He's 17th in points per game, 21st in uh, points. Um, and um, it's really interesting with the Suns because I feel like this is a reflection somewhat on them is that they've had – like they are the winningest franchise, I believe, in NBA history that has not won a championship. And I think that says somebody like Walter Davis, who was, you know, really good for quite a while, but is sort of unheralded in NBA history and is, you know, not necessarily the first person I would think of in terms of this list, although, because I would say there are several players who are actually better than he is, who are, you know, not, who, who even not quite as good as scores, but, you know, more complete players uh, on than this. But it's just sort of, he's, uh, I think, emblematic to a certain extent of the franchise's history because it's just kind of hard to, they've had a lot of really good teams, but not a lot of like, um, you know, uh, super memorable teams. Yeah, no, course, no real dynasties team. either. Like, you'll have a little blips here and there. You obviously had the Nash, yeah. uh, the, you know, the eight seconds or seven seconds or less teams. Uh, yeah, that that was a memorable team. So obviously that, that that's not right to, to say that they, that wasn't memorable. But but obviously yeah, they did not. You know they were exactly. Yeah, I mean that's probably the closest you have. Right. And then of course you have the blip in the nineties with with, uh, with Barkley and you know a little bit of the early nineties. But yeah, it's really just kind of been a franchise that's been hard to define by one. Uh, team. I mean, I think yeah, I would say the seven sex or less team is probably their, you know, most, you, you know, poignant or, or their, their biggest dynasty or whatever. But other than that, it really hasn't been. And it really hasn't been a star, uh, driven thing either. Cause even that, even the seven seconds or less was, you know, Amari, Marion, Nash. It was kind of the, the sum of all parts versus, you know, a superstar putting them on their back and, and, and dominating. And I think that kind of gets reflected here in, in Walter Davis being the man. <laughs> you know, you play 10 seasons with the same team and, and you're kind of the top of the list of this. So. Yeah. 
and Alvin Albums right behind him who played, you know, basically during that same era as well, um, you know, with almost 14,000 points. And then Kevin Johnson, you know, who I think is one of the better players, of, you know, of course, with, with that uh, 93 team and throughout the entire 90s when they were very good for that time. And they were really good in that, you know, the, the those late 70s, you know, into the 80s. For most of those years, they were a pretty effective team as well. Uh, Sean Marion is fourth. Uh, Dick Van Arsdale is uh, fifth. Uh, Amari Stoudemire is uh, sixth. He prolific scorer, of course, but you know, not the longevity there. Uh, Steve Nash is seventh. Of course, great player, two MVPs, but not you know not the greatest scorer. Uh, then rounded up by Paul Westfall, Larry Nance, and Dan Marlowe. Yeah, and as far as uh, active leaders, uh, I guess in a way surprising, but not necessarily. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, he's 26 right now, uh, 4,162, uh, averaging 18.8 uh, points per game. Uh, he's surprisingly still about 11,000 away, so if he keeps up his pace that he had last year, which is about 1,300, uh, he'll be tops in a little under nine seasons, and he's only about three seasons away from getting into the top 10. So again, provided he sticks around with the team, a possibility, but he's a guy who, who's a little older than you would probably think Eric Bledsoe is, so yeah, I, I don't see him ever uh, get into the top spot, but, but it seems reasonable that he, he could get in the top 10. Yeah, he's 28. So yeah, that's um, yeah. He top 10 certainly is a possibility, but yeah, probably not uh, not getting there. Yeah, Witherhill, of course, with the timeline that they uh, the franchise is is on, you know, um, it, it could be leaving, you know, before uh, before long. And we're always pessimistic about guys leaving the team, but I, I don't think some fans are going to mind that one no, so much. Yeah. You know, they're <laughs> looking for brighter days in the future. Yeah. Um, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, uh, Clyde Drexler leading the way with 18,040 points uh, and uh, 20.8 uh, average, 15th uh, in points per game, tied with Havlicek, and uh, 19th in total points. I would say he's clearly the best player in franchise history. I mean, obviously there's Walton, but he really only played, you know, a a short time with the uh, franchise. I think Drexler's longevity, you know, puts him above that, and they did make two finals with Drexler as their best player. So, you know, he's he's close to that level as well. Um and they've actually had six players above uh, 10,000 points. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, second. Uh, Terry Porter right behind him. Cliff Robinson. Uh, Jerome Kersey. Jim Paxson all over uh, 10,000 points. Jim Paxson always kind of surprises me on that list because I don't think of him quite as that good of a player. Uh, then Jeff Petrie, Michael Thompson, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Sidney Wicks. And right behind Sidney Wicks, two points behind Sidney Wicks, is actually uh, Damian Lillard, also the uh, the active leader on the Yeah, and he's making a pretty well. good charge. He's only about 9,160 away. So he he had a 2000 last season. So, you know, if he keeps that up, uh, which, you know, he might fall a little bit, but I, I feel like a Damian Lillard could probably keep up around that pace or, or near that pace uh, for the next few seasons, uh, four and a half seasons for him. And he'll be number one. Uh, he's already top or, t- or he's just below top 10, but I've, I think he's going to score two points next season. I'm presuming he doesn't, he doesn't belong in the preseason. Damian Lillard will score two points uh, in the next season. And if he does that, uh, he's going to pass a few guys uh, this season as well. If he has his normal production, I'd probably end up, I, I don't know, maybe even fourth by the time the end of the season or at least fifth. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely vaulting up the leaderboards and, and yeah, it's going to take a little while to get up to Drexler, but uh, he's definitely in the, he's in the conversation and, and should be there pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and he's 27. So I think he's, you know, got a shot at, you probably be more like five or six years, but I think that's not completely unreasonable for him. He certainly, I think he's on track to be number two for, for, uh, yeah. definitely. Uh, so next are the, um, are the uh, Sacramento Kings slash uh, Rochester um, Cincinnati Royals, Kansas City Kings, lots of cities and, and names for the uh, that franchise. Don't forget Omaha as well, the uh, Kings, Kansas City Omaha Kings. Anyway, uh, number one, Oscar Robertson with uh, 22,009 points um, and a 20... 20- 
9.3 points per game scoring average. He's fourth in points per game, 11th in points total. Uh, Clearly the best player in franchise history. Um, And interesting that they've only had four players above 10,000 points despite uh, having such a, you know, being one of the original teams that we talked about. Those besides Oscar are Jack Twyman, uh, Mitch Richmond, who uh, had just over 12,000 points for the Kings, and uh, Tiny Archibald, who who had almost 11,000 points. And then after there, uh, fifth is Sam Lacey, one point behind him before he got traded, DeMarcus Cousins. (laughs) So just one point behind Sam Lacey, didn't, couldn't quite get it there. Uh, P.S. Tojakovic, um, and uh, Jerry Lucas, uh, Eddie Johnson, and uh, Scott Wedman uh, rounding out the uh, list uh, there. So interesting list. Of course, the Kings have uh, mostly struggled historically. Um, uh, after they've you know, had the championship in 51, they had some good years, of course, with Oscar and uh, Kansas City for the most part. They did not have strong uh, seasons. And then outside of that early 2000s period, not much in Sacramento, unfortunately, as well. Yeah. And as far as their active leader, I mean, obviously, with Cousins going away, it uh, gets a little <laughs> gets a little dicey here. Uh, their active leader at 124 is Willie Cauley-Stein, <laughs> 1,074, uh, 7.6 points per game. So, yeah, this is uh, this is not fun. Uh, he's 20,000. 935 away. Uh, he had 611 points last season, so he'll be waiting about 30, uh, 34 years uh, to beat Oscar Robinson, and about 13 more to get in the top 10. So uh, even if he you know scores a little bit more next season, which eh, I don't know, I guess he maybe could. Uh, maybe we can put that down to 32 seasons until he can uh, beat Oscar Robinson. But uh, yeah, it's going okay. <laughs> to be a little while yeah, for uh, Willie Collison. Don't put that in your phone. I, I, I'm not betting that one very much. I forgot who the other one that we said put in your phone, but okay, that guy definitely right. put in your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Nicole, uh, Nico, yeah, Nicole yeah. Miritich. Um, yeah, that one to lock in, but Willie Collinstein, yeah. eh, I wouldn't do that quite yet. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next, uh, a little bit better on the spectrum than Willie Collinstein, uh, Tim Duncan with the San Antonio Spurs with uh, 26,496 points, uh, 19 points per game. Uh, he has 22nd in points per game and 6th in total points. Uh, I would say clearly the best player in French's history, although they've had obviously a number of great players, David Robinson and uh, George Gervin as well. All three of those are above uh, 20,000 points. They have six players above 10,000 with uh, uh, Tony Parker, who is about 18,000. I guess maybe could uh, he's kind of kind of at the end now, and I think he's injured at least for to start the year, but um, a possible candidate for 20,000 points in his career. Uh, Mano Ginobili with about with over 13,000 and James Silas with uh, 10,000. Then you got Mike Mitchell, Sean Elliott, Larry. Keenan and uh, Kawhi Leonard is 10th with uh, 6,500 points. Um, so uh, going to be going to be a little while for him, but you can talk about that in a uh, moment. But of course, you know, a, uh, uh, quite an illustrious top of that list. Yeah, sure. so active leader, obviously, Tony Parker, but I, I don't uh, I don't think Parker's going to have much of a contest. No, so no. yeah. got to take him off the list there. But uh, let's look at Kawhi Leonard, though. He's 10th. Um, he's interesting because he's about 19,988 away, which is, is quite a lot. Um it's going to be really tough for him. I mean, Duncan, I mean, you forget just how awesome Duncan was for as many years as he was. Uh, Kawhi has a chance of doing it if he sticks around with the franchise for, for quite a while uh, and continues being, you know, as productive as he is. But the fact that he had kind of had a late start and that his scoring isn't necessarily it's, – it's very good, obviously, this year. But it's not like – I, I don't expect him to be, you know, 25 a game for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. I think that's really tough to, to, to assume that. So, uh, yeah, he's still quite a ways away. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't do the exact math in terms of him because uh, it's – just pretty nuts how far Duncan is ahead of uh, of Kawhi and, and anybody else really at this point for the Spurs. 
Yeah, I mean, it would take it at least 11 seasons from last year's pace, which would be to put him at 36. Okay, and last yeah. year was, you know, uh, like 25 points per game. That's that's pretty rare. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he could get better. But, yeah, that's um, – I mean, it's not impossible, but it's – expecting that would, of course, is you know, would be uh, pretty ridiculous. But, yeah, he – I'm – I think there's a good chance, in fact, a very good chance that he'll get in that, uh, you know, 10,000 club. He's only, you know, really three years away from that and um, and very possibly could be in that 20,000 club by the time, you know, uh, all is said and done. But as far as, you know, passing Duncan, that's, uh, uh, that's a lot to ask. Uh, next, the uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, Leading the way and also the active leader, uh, DeMar DeRozan, with 11,456 points, uh, 19.3 points per game. He's 19th among these uh, in points per game, 25th in points. Um, and uh, interesting discussion about who the best player in franchise history is. I don't think it's DeMar right now. But if DeMar sticks around with the team for long enough, I think it could be one of those things where the longevity outweighs the peak and he would pass, you know, Bosch and Carter at some point. But I think that's and, and Lowry at some point as well, depending on how long Lowry sticks with the team. So I think that there's some interesting discussion to be had there. Yeah, as far as those guys, yeah, it's, it, it's tough. I mean, DeRozan, I think when it's all said and done, probably will be man um, there. But yeah, it's again, it's a franchise like I want to say Vince Carter, but like I'm sure most Raptors, I think they've kind of given it up now, but uh, most Raptors fans would probably be a little upset by that but i feel like carter is still the guy but yeah it's it's becoming a little bit more of a discussion i mean bosh is a guy who obviously had a very you know quite a few great years as well um but i I feel like when it's all said and done it's going to be derozan but right now i i I think i would go vince carter yeah 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 bosh is number two with uh just over ten thousand points carter had nine thousand four hundred twenty points uh so not quite uh, ten thousand uh number four on the list andrea pernani with uh, six thousand five hundred eighty-one points yeah (laughs) Um, Morris Peterson uh, is is fifth. Lowry is sixth. So he'll be climbing up the ranks. He'll, he'll pass Barniani uh, this year, so that'll be a little bit better. At least he'll be in the top four. And then Jose Calderon with uh, more than five thousand points. So yeah, that's uh, uh, obviously the Raptors' history has been better lately, but still not, uh, <laughs> not not a lot of guys you know up on the uh, above five thousand points. Yes, which you know, which for new yeah, franchises is somewhat. Yeah, you obviously don't want the junkyard dog in like your top ten. Or I, I don't know if he actually is, but <laughs> it's just you know, it's 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 pretty interesting. But yeah, as, as time goes on, they. Uh, They'll, they'll work that out. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, next, uh, the Utah Jazz, uh, who's uh, not, no one should be surprised about this, but Carl Malone with um, uh, 36,374 points, 25.4 points per game. That is uh, first in, in overall points and eighth in points per game. Uh, very clearly the best player in franchise history, although Stockton obviously uh, pair along with him. You know, the all time combo that they had is, you know, is uh, not too far from. Uh, that him in terms of greatness, um, they actually have four players with uh, more than ten thousand points for the franchise. Adrian Dantley did it as well in the early '80s, and Daryl Griffith from '81 to '91 as well. Uh, also uh, on the uh, top ten list is uh, Thurl Bailey, uh, Andre Karolinko, Pete Maravich. Gord Haywood, of course, who just left with over 8,000 points. Uh, Darren Williams with uh, 7,500 points. And uh, Mehmet Okor with uh, <laughs> 7,200 points. So um, interesting uh, interesting list of yeah, guys Yeah, your active there. leader is uh, Derek Favors at 19. He's got 5,128. Uh, uh, averages about 12.1 uh, points per game. Uh, this is going to be 
little tricky for him. He's uh, he's uh, he's only thirty one thousand two hundred forty eight away. Uh, so even if we assume he goes back to his That's career all. high output of a little of a little over eleven hundred, uh, which is a few years ago, he's about twenty eight seasons away from uh, from a lone spot. So uh, he is probably the only about two seasons away from the top ten. Uh, and given sort of what's happened with the Jazz and, and and you know assuming he you know gets a little bit healthy, I think he can get in that top ten uh, before it's all said and done. But I don't uh, do not think he is going to uh, be taking over Carmelo's spot. So. Yeah, not so much. My he shoot for Pete Maravich. That's <laughs> right, possible. Yeah. He's about yeah. three thousand points behind Pete. So yeah, over th- yeah, three or four years, that's that's definitely a possibility. In uh, our final franchise, the uh, Washington Bullets slash Wizards franchise, and the leader is uh, Elvin Hayes with uh, fifteen thousand five hundred and fifty one points, uh, twenty one point three uh, points per game. He's fourteenth in points per game, twenty second in points overall. I would say it's either him or Wes Unseld in terms of the best player in franchise history, depending on uh, what you uh, measure. They had their greatest success with them uh, together. They also made a finals with just Unseld and, um, and, um, oh, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking, Black Magic, uh, point guard, um, <laughs> Wait, what's your point? <laughs> yeah, uh, Earl Monroe. Oh, there we go. Okay, I was, I was, I was sure you were. Yes, Earl Monroe. Sorry. Oh, geez. So anyway, uh, getting late for us. And, <laughs> um, so uh, but what's really interesting here to me is that they are the only franchise without a 2000s player in their top six. And in fact, they don't even have a 90s player <laughs> in their uh, top six. Um, and Jeff Malone is the only 80s player um, in their uh, top six. He's number two from 84 to 1990. So um uh, John Wall is seventh on this list. He's uh, and he's going to you know be shooting up the ranks soon, which I'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But that's uh, uh, really interesting that you know most of the players who had the great success, you know, that we're talking about the guys you know in the uh, in, in the sixties to seventies, or you know, in the, the obviously Hayes and Unseld in those years, and Phil Chenier in the uh, the seventies years when they were at their peak, ending with the uh, the seventy nine finals loss. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a interesting franchise in that respect. Yeah, that, that, that there isn't anybody that you don't get, you know. Uh, um you know, many people from those different. Yeah, but it, it's I think it speaks like you said that they haven't really been great <laughs> in quite a while. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting history of the, the franchise. It's been around for quite a while, but uh, yeah, it doesn't really necessarily have, you know, a, a super, you know, a ton of great eras. It was like, you know, they have a few little blips here and there. But for the most part, and especially the past few years, it's been better, but it still hasn't been, you know, quite great. And they haven't really been uh, that uh, top top to your franchise in, in quite a while, but uh, active leader though, uh, doing his best to to get the Wizards back on track is John Wall, uh, and he'll likely crack the top four this season, and he certainly has a chance at the the franchise record. He's about uh, six thousand one hundred thirty two points behind uh, Hayes, so uh, he could break the record in about four seasons uh, if all things go well. Which eh, you know for John Wall, I feel like they should. So uh, and he seems pretty committed to that franchise. So I, I think when it's all said and done, uh, he will be the franchise leader and and, and probably uh, pretty easily. Um, be considered one of the best players in, the, in that franchise's history. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes over the next few seasons. Yeah, definitely. I think we talked about him as a contender for the top three sure. already and, um, and, and you know, kind of right up there. Yeah. Uh, so, so the list, I forgot to mention, Jeff Malone was second at 11,000 points, unsubbed third at over 10,000, then uh, Kevin Lockery, Gus Johnson, uh, Phil Chenier, Wall at seventh, and then Walt Bellamy at um, at eighth. Uh, and then uh, – 
uh, guys who you might expect to be higher on the list but didn't really play there all that long are Gilbert Arenas at ninth and uh, Anton Jameson at 10th, who both are close to 9,000 points in uh, franchise history. And obviously Arenas, you know, had his knee injuries and then other uh, issues that kind of kept him away from, you know, they did have the, the kind of that return to relevance during the Arenas, uh, Jameson, Butler era, but that unfortunately for them uh, didn't <laughs> nope. last. But yeah, things are, they're doing, doing pretty well now. Yeah, so things, yeah. are, things are going better. But uh, yeah, a few little fun facts overall of this list of things I was kind of looking at. Uh, you know, we, we were kind of talking about overall, you know, the top scores that we consider undoubtedly the best players. So there were quite a few where we said, ah, eh, maybe, or, you know, he has a case or whatever, but guys that we were like, no doubt, yes, this is the top one. Uh, there was only 12 that I counted. And, and are you kind of surprised by it being as low as it was? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I and guess, the number would be higher um, again. Like if we counted the, yeah, he probably is. But I was thinking of like guys who were like, nope, boom, he's definitely it. Okay, yeah, as far as definite, I mean, it's about, it's a little more than the third of the uh, league. Yeah, that is a little bit surprising, actually. And I think about it, I mean, I, I do think of scoring as a, um, I think is the most important thing that you can do. There are very few great players who have, you know, been able to be, you know, incredibly effective without, you know, having the ability to score, you know, at a high volume, at a high efficiency, you know, all that good stuff. Um, you know, there's, the, that's truly kind of the rare cases where you're, you're not like a Bill Russell, you know, for example, he still scored 15 points per game. So, um, yeah, that is a little bit surprising. I would have expected it to be a little bit more than that, at least, you know, like maybe 20 sure. or so. So the fact that it's only, you know, 12 there. I mean, obviously those guys are, you know, if, if they're not there, they're fairly close to the, they're, you know, they're in the top, you know, three or four generally, or, you know, maybe they didn't have longevity there, but they have a high amount of points per game. But yeah, that is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and for some other, you know, fun facts here, highest point per game average uh, the, the among the leading scorers is Wilt, uh, Michael Jordan, Kareem, and the lowest point per game average among the leading scorers, Del Curry, Mike Conley, and David West. So not a huge surprise there, uh, kind of the early franchises and a little bit more of the charter franchises all in the highest. So just a little fun names there, but uh, yeah, uh, pretty fun to kind of, uh, fun little exercise to kind of go through all these yeah i enjoyed this one this was uh entertaining so hopefully uh people uh i've got to uh, learn a few things here hopefully we uh settled some uh some hornets history uh, issues <laughs> there i feel like it's never going to be settled we're always going to get confused by it but um and people are always going to be like you shouldn't get confused by it and then i'm gonna be like i'm sorry it's confusing but anyway baron davis baron davis got screwed by uh the fact that we you had to change hornets yeah history, exactly so. we do it for baron that's what we do it for baron so i mean come yeah on. we're doing it for baron yes yes um i would do anything for baron <laughs> but i won't do that <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we should, uh, what, what should we do to, uh, support the, uh, over and back, a classic NBA podcast? Oh, there's right plenty. Here. You can follow us on Twitter at over and back NBA. You can go on Facebook as well, over and back NBA. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Google play and wherever you get your podcasts as well. You just search over and back, uh, or look up over and back NBA, subscribe to us. And then of course ratings, cause that's our sustenance. If you don't rate us, we, uh, we feel unloved and, um, we need to be loved. Because we uh, we have very fragile egos, so make sure you go on there on iTunes or Google Play, yeah. wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, make sure you're subscribing, and then of course make sure you're giving us a review because that makes us very very happy. Uh, and also you can see some of our work uh, on the step back as well. We're doing some uh, some written stuff as well. We should be doing a lot more throughout the season as well. So uh, go to fansided.com, go to the step back, the NBA vertical, and you'll find our written content as well as well as you know links to the uh, the podcast as well. But of course uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, definitely the best places to get at us and, and discuss stuff. And you have a little fun project going on too that I think people should follow. Yeah, uh, follow um, on Twitter uh, NBA twenty years ago, and it's a uh, 
uh, basically just kind of recording what's happening in the uh, NBA uh, 20 years from the uh, date of the uh, tweet. So uh, obviously we're in the midst of the 1997 offseason right now. So we're uh, tweeting about some fun stuff uh, going on during that time and some, uh, some good countdowns and some fun, fun vid- video clips and kind of experimenting with uh, what exactly we're going to do with that. We're also going to be incorporating uh, what was happening 20 years ago into the uh, podcast. So we'll be doing some uh, uh, 1997-98 uh, themed uh, episodes as the uh, season develops so we'll have some fun with uh, that as well including uh, that won't be exclusive what we're doing we'll also be doing uh, other things as well but we'll be incorporating that into it so it should be uh, an enjoyable time alright well thanks everyone for uh, checking us out and we'll be back again soon This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.